available wherever you get podcasts and now also on YouTube. In today's show, we're talking about a Blazers tank miracle in Oklahoma City. They lost a game that they really wanted to lose and the Thunder really wanted to lose as well. The Blazers are the tank champions blowing a big lead late. And then we're going to talk all about Blazers' trade player exception. They've got a big old TPE that they required from the New Orleans Pelicans in the C.J. McCollum trade. And I want to talk about targets, names they can go after, and why, and kind of the parameters of how a TPE-type trade might work. We'll talk names, we'll talk trades, we'll talk all of that. But first, we got to do what we do at this time, the fastest recap in the West. The Blazers lose this game 98-94 to OKC and Portland was maybe not in control of this game but uh you know down to the end of the first quarter find themselves up six at halftime and and in a position to win this game like absolutely in a position to win this game and then from a, from that six point lead they outscored the thunder 28-19 in the third quarter took a 15 point lead into the fourth blazers up 15 in OKC OKC is basically playing six players uh they're holding out Aaron Wiggins. They're holding holding out Teo Maladon. They're holding out Alexi, Alexi Pokusiewski. That's your boy Poku. Like, they're holding out Jeremiah Robinson Earl. These are, uh, you know, end of the rotation youngsters, and the, and they're not they're getting DNPCDs. The Blazer, the Thunder are just just going all out to lose this game. Side note, the NBA is broken. The NBA is broken. If you're holding out Poku and a chance to lose, holding out Teo Maladon because you really need to lose, it's a broken league, broken system, bad, bad for everyone. Two thumb, two thumbs all the way down. Absolutely the worst incentives. Um, I do not care for it. You should, uh, you should be able to play young players. Screw this garbage. But the Blazers, they find a way. They scored just 12 points in the fourth quarter. OKC outscored them 31-12, overcoming a 15-point deficit heading into the quarter. OKC hit five threes in the fourth. That's 15 points if you're scoring at home. They'd hit six threes in the first three quarters combined. The Pel- or the Pelicans, the Blazers scored just 12 points in the quarter. Uh, it was an it was. I mean, I guess it was good news, but it was also it's just bad news. It's no good for anyone. Blazers lose this game 98-94. Um, a big loss. The Blazers have... have uh, they are going to be in a position that if they lose out and they play they play good teams, uh, New Orleans, Dallas, and Utah to finish the year, they will they will secure six play, the sixth worst record in the league. Uh, they're going to do it. They're not going to be able to catch the Pacers with the fifth fifth worst record, but Portland, by virtue of winning this game, has pretty much ended all or losing this game. It's a win when you lose like this. By virtue of losing this game, I've put themselves in a position to secure the sixth worst record in the league and end up with a thirty seven percent chance of getting a top four pick and a nine percent chance of getting the the first overall pick and it's tanking sucks this sucks this is this is bad incentives the league is incentivizing the wrong things it's bad boo the blazers didn't uh brandon williams did not play for the blazers uh he had a left quad contusion he was ruled out brandon williams is on the too good to play list screw this he might have a left quad contusion i'm sure he does um but showing up on the injury report like he did with this situation as 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 you know it's been the Blazers leading scorer and all these things it's it's nonsense and garbage I'm I am this game exhausted me the nonsense of this game truly truly exhausted me I don't want to spend too much more time on it Jalen Horde former Blazer 24 points 21 rebounds three assists three steals goodness gracious he played 46 minutes uh 
Blazers were led by Keon Johnson, who had a really nice uh, game, at least if you look at the stat line. Uh, he, I thought, Keon has been making his three-pointers. That's going to be the swing skill for him. I think this um, it this has not been good developmental time for Keon straight up, but I'm glad he's getting on the court and and, and having some success. He finished with 18 points, six rebounds, and seven assists. It's a steal and, and two blocks. Like Keon filled up the stat sheet. Nice little Keon game. It just stinks. It stinks. This isn't useful, meaningful Keon minutes when the team is when a franchise is actively trying to lose. Let's get Keon in some in some actual competitive minutes when the other team who has it who's truly terrible is also trying to lose. Um, I'm fed up with it. Ben McLemore 17 points. Greg Brown 17 points. Uh, high for 17 for Greggy. Uh, Drew Eubanks 14. That's Greggy Goggles. Shout out to my man. Uh, the OKC played six guys. They played six guys. <laughs> get, get, this, get this out of here. Let's talk about anything else. Um, Blazers are going to lose the rest of their games. Congratulations, they did it. This is the right move. Like, to be clear, this is the right move. The Blazers are doing the right thing. Um, it's just... This game was the sham of shams. Uh, this was this was maybe pushing it to the point where I, I couldn't roll along. So I'm done talking about it. Let's talk about traded player exceptions. The Blazers got a big one. Uh, I want to talk all about it in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about Shady Rays, a new sponsor for the podcast. It's an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays has a wild protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try. If you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays, exclusively for our listeners. If you're listening to the show right now, head to ShadyRays.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season, 50% off of two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. It's backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Check it out of Shady Ray's sunglasses. It's backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Check it out. All right. So let's talk traded player exception, as promised. Listen, this is... I'm gonna simple. I'm gonna try to keep this really simple. I'm gonna try to make it really straightforward. I try to sort of give you what you need to know. We're gonna talk about how the trade trade player exception works and some targets for the Blazers as as they try to use this over the summer. The in general, trade player exceptions, particularly large ones, don't get used very often. When the ones do get used, they're relatively smaller, and we'll talk about that. But I want to use this end of the show here to kind of uh, talk about something that that people are curious about. The Blazers. When they traded C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans, they received a $20.86 million traded player exception. The way a traded player exception works is you get that money plus $100,000 of wiggle room. So the way to think about this is a $21 million traded player exception. It's like 21 or 20.964, et cetera, et cetera. But for our purposes here, let's call it $21 million. Traded player exceptions... Three things can be done with them. You can use them, you can discard them, and you can let them expire. They expire after a year. So the Blazers will have up until next year's traded, uh, next year's traded player, next year's trade deadline to use it. 
that gives them a little bit of uh, a little bit of room to to wait. But because of their cap situation, they're more likely to either use it this summer and just discard it after that. You can't. In addition, you cannot use a traded player exception if you go below the salary cap. That the Blazers aren't really in in trouble of having that happen. Like they're gonna they have enough cap holds with. Uh, Ant and with Nurk and with uh, Joe Ingles that they're going to they're going to have big money on the books until they maneuver around and then uh, they're not going to be below the cap team. It wouldn't make sense for them to be below below the cap team. It's more advantageous for them to be to operate as a team that is above the salary cap and thus keeping your mid level exception, keeping your biannual exception, and keeping this large traded player exception. That's important for them. Uh, they're not going to be. There's not a lot of good free agents in the market, and they have more tools if they stay above the cap. So that's that's significant for them. And I think just the sort of the basics of the traded player exception, I think this is important because a lot of you have emailed me and said, hey, what if they did this and what if they did this? And and, and I, I really appreciate the emails and I try my best to kind of explain things there. So if you want to reach out and you have some sort of questions and you're a reasonable adult, I will gladly respond there. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. I'm not a cap expert. Uh, I know people who are better at this and I, te- I tend to reach out to them. I've screwed some stuff up in the past and I hate making mistakes in this podcast. So I want to be as clear and as simple as possible here so you can kind of have the the knowledge here a traded player exception can only be used in one real way to sign a player that fits within the traded player exception it fits within for our purposes means makes less than 21 million dollars that's it that's the simple question that's the simple math you're doing does this player is their 2022 2023 salary for this next upcoming season is it below $21 million? Yes. Okay, then the Blazers can acquire that player using the traded player exception. It can't be uh, aggregated or combined with other player salaries. It doesn't help with the it does it can't be used to sign free agents. It doesn't you cannot maneuver it and combine multiple trade exceptions to create a larger trade exception. Each one of these TPEs stands on its own. It is a it is a is a singular thing that stands by itself and it works to acquire one player. Now, the way NBA trades work, they're a little more confusing than they really need to be, and I don't want to get too deep into the woods, but the Blazers could could uh, have a multiplayer trade and use the trade exception to absorb one part of the, of the trade because you can do non-simultaneous trades and blah, 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 blah. That's too deep in the weeds. The point is, when you're thinking about this, this is a $21 million traded, traded player exception acquired from the New Orleans Pelicans in the CJ trade. The Blazers have one year to use it. And the way they can use it is only in trades to acquire a player making that amount of money. And basically, it's a way to send nothing back to the other team. You might have to send something uh, back like uh, draft picks or some kind of sweeteners. And we'll talk about that here more in a second. But in general, this is just a way to absorb one player making $21 million or less for their salary for next season. That's how it's going to work. The, you, there, there's no way to make this more valuable. There's no way, there's way to make it less valuable because you can absorb the, a, a player into po- a portion of this. So if they're making 17 million, you can absorb them into a portion of this, but it's, it's a standalone thing that can be used to make a, used to make a trade of a player making $21 million. That's as sort of as simple as I want to make it. I want to make it super clear. And now I want to, what I want to do to close the show 
is, is mention some names because there's a big name out there and the Blazers, have, it's been reported by Shamstrani of The Athletic and and, and other members of The Athletic and, and Mark Stein of of uh, his independent reporter who writes on his Substack. stack. Uh, it's that the Blazers have pursued Jeremy Grant. Pistons forward Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant fits perfectly within the traded player exception. But I think Jeremy Grant's situation is unique. So I'm going to throw out some other names in the third segment, some other names that fit within this, that could be targets for the Blazers and their TPE, could be reasonable targets for the Blazers and their TPE. And then we'll kind of discuss the challenges and why other teams might say yes or might say no. That's what we'll do to close out the show. Who can the Blazers get with their TPE? You've been screaming at me. I've gotten so many tweets and emails. Who, 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 who? Something we'll have to revisit as we head into the summer. But our first shot at it. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the market. My personal favorites. Peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. i got cookies and cream in the pantry right now. Cookies and cream bar. 18 grams of protein, 140 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs. That's what your average built Bar is packing. They, they pack a punch. Real macros and not a whole bunch of sugar, even though they got a candy bar-like texture and they're covered in 100% chocolate. They got a great taste. And they're going to give you the fuel you need if you need to record multiple podcasts in a day because you took an evening off due to the loss of your beloved Tar Heels. A built Bar will help you get the afternoon juice you need, the evening juice you need, in my case. So why not go see all the flavors they got at built.com and find something you like and then save some money while you're shopping. Use the promo code LOCKED15 get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Who the Blazers are going to get with the traded player exception? It's the number one question I've had over the last 10 days. And I've kind of held out on this because there were still basketball games left to be played. The Blazers are down to uh, <laughs> down to just three more basketball games. We're entering the offseason. This is going to be a big topic for us, and we will revisit it. Again, the Blazers can acquire a player making less than $21 million or less using this large traded player exception they got in the Pelicans deal. They also have one from... Uh, same deal that in the acquisition of uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, which is about six million bucks, they could they could move and shake with those uh, TPEs. In general, very large TPEs don't get used very often. I think that for Dallas in acquiring, sending out Wesley Matthews and acquiring Harrison Barnes, and then uh, and excuse me, and then trading Harrison Barnes and and later acquiring DeLon Wright in 2019 is the example of, of the most recent example I could find of a, a large, like 20 plus million dollar trade exception being used. Uh, the, 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 the initial deal of sending Wesley Matthews uh, to the Knicks gave the, uh, gave the Mavericks a large trade player exception. They were able to, uh, in the exchange with in the exchange with the Kings, they were able to use it, and then they kept a portion of it, and eventually acquired Delon Wright, who was making six million bucks. It's it's relatively rare that very large ones like the Blazers' very large twenty one million dollar traded player exception gets used because teams who are trading a player making twenty million bucks, they want something back. Put a pin in that. That's going to be the ask. Let's start with the names, then we'll come back to the logic we just built here. So the name you know is Jeremy Grant. He fits into the Blazers traded player exception basically exactly, exactly like within a couple thousand dollars, a perfect target. Uh, other names on the list, and I only am looking, at, importantly, 
There's probably other names on the list. I am not looking at guards. The Blazers do not need to acquire a twenty million a, a player making you know uh, eight figures who plays guard. They have those. Dame and Ants and Josh Hart. Assuming all those players are on the team, which I I I do assume. They'll be going forward unless Josh Hart gets traded, but Ant and Dame are going to be on the team unless something very odd happens. So, like, they don't need big money guards. That's not what they need. They need forwards. You follow the team, you know that. They need an NBA level, an NBA starting power forward. They probably need an NBA starting small forward if they're really going to be competitive. So, I'm looking at bigs. I'm looking at bigs with this. With this. Jeremy Grant of Detroit. Aaron Gordon of, of the Denver Nuggets fits. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich of the Utah Jazz fits. Demontis Sabonis of the Sacramento Kings fits. Harrison Barnes of the Sacramento Kings. Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Miles Turner of the Pacers. Not a great fit with the Blazers if they're going to keep Nurk, which I believe they will, but he fits. He fits. Um, and I, I I think that could be... Um, just at least circle the name. Uh, put Circle in pencil. Don't put in pen. Uh, Kyle Kuzma of, of the Washington Wizards fits. Kelly Oubre of the, of the New Orleans, of the Charlotte Hornets fits. And Christian Wood, center for the Houston Rockets. Big man, forward center for the Houston Rockets fits. Okay, those are names. I think there's some really intriguing names on here. I think Jeremy Grant and Aaron Gordon are intriguing names. And Christian Wood is an intriguing name. Jonathan Isaac, if he's ever healthy, a really intriguing name. But a lot of these teams are going to say no. Because what this situation is, is very unique to the Detroit Pistons. It's very unique to the Detroit Pistons. They are a team that doesn't have much pressure to be really good next year. They can miss the playoffs and it's not... Troy Weaver isn't going to lose his job. It's a, They're in a multi-year rebuild, and they're pretty good. And I think they could you know, challenge for the play-in next year because of how good Kane Cunningham and Sadiq Bey are. But they don't necessarily need... They don't need to load up on vets. And Jeremy Grant, is, it, next year, will be in the final year of his contract, and he'll be an extension eligible. It doesn't make sense for the Pistons to give Jeremy Grant $25 million a year annually over four seasons and have him be part of the core with a big big money part of that core. He's not going to fit their build. He's going to be too expensive. And when they do need to pay Sadiq Bey, you know, then you then you start to get up against it if you've paid someone in front of him. That's specific to, to the Pistons. So trading Jeremy Grant for, say, the 10th pick in the draft, as has been reported, if the Blazers get the Pelicans a lottery-protected pick, they could include that pick absorb Grant into the trade player exception, bing, bang, boom. I, I think that's really unique to the Pistons. And in fact, some Pistons fans have told me, you're dumb, they're going to want more than that. Certainly they might. But I'm just going off what's been reported and the logic of the Pistons. They don't, getting the 10th overall pick for Jeremy Grant seems like a pretty good deal. And not having to take back money is specifically inviting to the Pistons because it allows them flexibility. Other teams don't want that. I mean, there and Gordon things is not going to happen in Denver, but like specifically Denver is a good example to use for this. They wouldn't want to trade Aaron Gordon for nothing because they're a competitive team. They would, and typically that's the deal here, is that typically when teams are sending out players that are making over $15 million, they want something back of value because they don't want just the 10th overall pick. They want to maintain, be have a chance to be competitive, which means they want a veteran player of commensurate value, like on the court and both financially to have something to trade down the line, continue to be a competitive team, all of sort of the obvious things. The 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 Denver Nuggets would not entertain the TPE and 10th pick trade package that the Pistons were because they're in different stages of team building. I think this is the same deal with uh, the Kings. There's a chance that Harrison Barnes could be flipped for a package like that, but I wouldn't trade the 10th overall pick for Harrison Barnes. That seems like a ripoff for the Blazers. 
the Kings aren't going to trade DeMontis Sabonis for the 10th overall pick. They just got Sabonis. They're building around him. Uh, I, I think Jonathan Isaac is a name worth considering. Would the Blazers trade the 10th overall pick for someone who just hasn't played in 15 months and is coming off this knee injury and all these things? I don't know if they would do that, but this seems like that seems like the sort of the type of value. And again, Orlando, they're in that stage of, of um, team building where they might have to make some decisions on who's on the roster and who's not on the roster. Uh, they're a little bit crowded at the guard and the and uh, the big man position. They might need they might say, "Hey, we want to roll with Franz Wagner. Give us the tenth overall pick, and and we'll hold on to Wagner and Chuma Kiki, and this will be our group, and we'll go another year, and 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 hopefully the rookie we pick tenth overall. I'm projecting tenth for the Pelicans pick. Obviously, it could be uh, anywhere from nine to uh, nine to twelve. I think technically, but uh, it's it's. Pelicans might make the playoffs. Blazers might not get the pick. The TPE thing might, we'll revisit it when we get there. But like, as of now, if you're thinking of it like the package that the Blazers would send to Detroit, which is something like the 10th, the TPE, and a second round pick if you need a sweetener, you look at a similar deal for somewhere around with these other guys, I don't think you're getting it done. Um, I, and, I, and I wouldn't necessarily trade Josh Hart for, for Boyan Bogdanovich. I think the TPE and a 10th pick to the King or to the Jazz, if they blow it up for, for a Bogdanovich, could be very enticing, but the Jazz have to blow it up. Um, they have to be in another stage of team building, right? Um, and the Jazz aren't probably going to go super young. They're going to try to be competitive with a new look. Um, so again, they probably reject that offer. Uh, I, I mentioned OG Ananobi. I don't even, that's like a name I just put on the list because I really think he's a good player and he does fit financially into it. The Raptors laugh you off the phone. They're, they, they are not interested in a TPE and some parts. That is, look it up. When the Raptors have uh, OG Ananobi, they're 31 and 16. They fancy themselves with OG on the floor, a team that could compete for a title. They're not rebuilding and going youth and going with 10th. It ain't going to happen. If the Raptors make a trade, they're going to trade for another vet to go for it, not um, young parts and salary relief. Uh, Miles Turner doesn't, fits into it. I think the Pacers could be interested in that type of package because maybe they're going to do try to do a little bit of a reset, but Miles Turner and Nurk is an untenable fit, and so if you assume Nurk is here, Miles Turner's not necessarily there. Kyle Kuzma, I think that's really intriguing. Um, he's, you know, he's not making as much money, not 20 plus million, but about, about 17. Uh, I think he can play if everything else, if you don't check a bunch of other boxes, Kyle Kuzma, who was a pretty good defender on that Lakers championship team, seems like a name I would consider if you're, um, if you still are armed with this TPE. Kelly Oubre, not my Huckleberry. I do not particularly care for the aesthetics of Kelly Oubre's game, although he is maybe the prettiest player in the NBA. Shout out to uh, Wave Poppy. But like, he was on a heater early in the year. He's missed a million shots since that early heater, and he doesn't do much else. His playmaking leaves a lot to be desired. His ability to attack the rim leaves a lot to be desired, and he's while sometimes a competitive defender, certainly not a good one. And then the last name on this list I have here is Christian Wood. I would, I'm not a big Christian Wood guy. Like he's not my, he's not my preferred big, but if, if, if you get down the line and it's like, well, it's not going to work with Jeremy Grant. Oh, well then, you know, we're not, it's, Bogdanovich doesn't fit what we want to do. He's also 33. We'd rather go younger and have some upside. The Rockets are in that rebuilding stage, like the team building stage. And this is a big thing we're highlighting here, team building stage where it's like, you're giving us a 10th overall pick and we, and we don't have to take back salary and we get get out from under a Christian Wood who's probably not part of our long-term core. Let's talk about it. Is that the trade that the Rockets say yes to immediately? Maybe, but certainly I think you get them on the phone. So really the names that I'm I'm left with here are Jeremy Grant, Jonathan Isaac, and Christian Wood. And that's 
kind of pie in the sky. That is, those are some best case scenario type names. I think the Jeremy Grant thing is is certainly the most appealing in it. And in addition to its, its how realistic it is, it remains appealing. I don't think you, it's hard for me to say that you're going to beat that, right? Um, here's why I like Jeremy Grant. Let me just put it out there. The idea that he could be versatile defensively, guard uh, twos, threes, and fours decently well. The idea that he can... Uh, since he came back from an injury with Detroit, he briefly was kind of a, in a tertiary role behind Sadiq Bey and Cade Cunningham, and he looked better in that tertiary role as opposed to being the guy, the primary, as he had been uh, in Detroit before that. He kind of went to Detroit to prove he could be a primary, made an all-star team, looked really good for half a season, then it uh, then it didn't work out, right? Um, it's... Uh, he's he's a, he's a role player. Like, he's a role player. He's a good fourth best player. And if the Blazers have Dame and Ant and Jeremy Grant and Nurk, I think Grant can function as something similar to your third or fourth best player and be okay. If you have to pay him three in years for $150 million on a contract extension, it's totally a different calculation. But just as the trade alone, as it stands alone, certainly maybe the contract extension is built into the trade, blah, 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 blah. That's why, why it would happen. But if you're just looking at his face value before you get to the contract extension, I really like it because of the defensive versatility in a way that I don't necessarily like the Christian Wood deal for that same thing. I don't think he has the defensive versatility. Um, he's making a little bit of strides as a playmaker, but I don't think his decision-making as a passer is really good. He's a great offensive player, but I think that's about it. And Jonathan Isaac, is his ceiling is like an elite, elite first-team all-defense type. He just hasn't played in a long time, and taking a risk on a guy coming off a serious knee injury who hasn't played in a long time might not be something you're into, and I think that's fair. So I think when you think about this, because of what the Blazers have to offer, because they don't have a lot of tradable parts, they want to hold on to some of their depth, um, Grant seems like the obvious choice and because of who what and because they don't have much else to offer and because of how the traded player exception works the who your suitors like who might actually be interested in talking with this specific type of discussion is relatively limited and when you combine those two things the sort of relative disinterest I think from teams around the league and what what who the who the Blazers can offer and who might pick up the phone I think Grant remains kind of high at the top of the list. Other names, you know, by my math, and I'm using uh, uh, Spotrack.com for this, uh, is Julius Randle and John Collins are other names people have thrown out there. By my math, they do not fit within the traded player exception. So the Blazers would have to get creative, and you're combining, like, Nazir Little and, and Josh Hart's salary to get there, and I don't think that's particularly appealing for me. I wouldn't trade Nazir Little and Josh Hart for Julius Randle. I wouldn't trade Nazir Little and Josh Hart for John Collins. You might. I would not. Um that's just me, but they don't fit within the TPE. So while they're relatively appealing based on my math, and please correct me if I'm wrong, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com, then we can kind of, uh, then maybe it would change the discussion. But for me, I, I think the reason the Blazers have aggressively pursued Jeremy Grant, um, sounds like they, according to reporting from James Edwards of The Athletic, aggressively pursued him at the trade deadline. And according to reporting from Sham Strani of The Athletic, maybe have some sort of handshake deal in place that if they have the 10th overall pick, they will reopen those discussions uh, with Detroit basically immediately as they get confirmed that they get that Pelicans pick. Pelicans need to miss the playoffs. Really opens up all the options for the Blazers this offseason. Grant seems like an obvious guy at the top of the list in terms of availability, in terms of fit, in terms of what the other team would ask for back. All of it seems to circle him for a variety of reasons. And for the, for that and among others, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I also think there are fans out there who say, I don't want to trade for Jeremy Grant. I just want to use the 10th overall pick on a rookie. Cool. Cool. I support that thinking. I probably don't 
Um, I'm probably not as enamored with like the idea of rookies as most. Uh, I'd rather have a, a proven commodity, but I totally understand and appreciate that logic. I can totally, if you say, I don't want to, I don't want Jeremy Grant. I certainly don't want Jeremy Grant at $28 million a year. I'd rather just have the 10th overall pick and it and come what may. Cool. But I think for your TPE target list, for your trade to player exception target list, when you go down, you, this is kind of who you end up with, and you see where Jeremy Grant, why he would be at the top of the Blazers' wish list, and if you think about it from the Pistons' side, why they would be willing to do so. I hope that helps. We will revisit this TPE stuff a bunch over the next few months, particularly once we kind of know, uh, when we get into May, where the Blazers are going to pick. So... That's your TPE news. Hope this hope this arms you with sort of some discussion fodder and some understanding of where the Blazers are at and where other teams are at and how all of this works. Come back for more shows later this week. The Blazers are going to finish out their road trip, play the Pelicans. Uh, we'll have shows for you. We'll do a mailbag later this week. If you missed it, a talk with Reggie Walker about the Nike Hoop Summit. So we got a whole bunch of fun. Come back and join us. Look for us wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Just search Locks on Blazers. We'll be right there waiting for you. Tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.